Good morning, good morning, Covenant Fellowship. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas Eve. All right, if you'll stand, we're going to go ahead and get started with our worship this morning. Amen. Aren't we glad he was born? Woo, amen. Well, at least it's not below 30, so that's good. All this rain. And uh, so it's a little sloppy Christmas, but hey, we'll take the rain. And uh, I knew we was going to have a lot out uh, Christmas Eve. And Travis, we had a tremendous candlelight service last night and participation. And so we were excited about that. Uh, not a lot going on church-wise. Things are pretty slow, obviously, this time of year. Just a few announcements to keep up. I do apologize to some folks that uh, are not on social media. I applaud you for not being on social media, but I apologize you did not get information about we did not have Sunday school this morning. And so I extend an apology to Jay for uh, being so proactive to be at church today. <laughs> But uh, that is my fault. It'll be a, but just a little bit of side note on that. We are excited. We are rolling out a lot of new things within the church. And one of those applications will be uh, back office. But how it will help is uh, since there is so few or many that are not on social media, which, again, I applaud. Every time we make any type of announcement, have an announcement, church schedule, anything within the church, you will start getting both texts and emails regarding that along with the facebook page and web page so we'll still use the traditional formats we've used but, but the new application will allow us to disseminate that information through your text and your uh, emails so uh, it will eliminate that problem in the future we've ran into it before but uh, so we're excited about that uh, next week uh, since we're talking about announcements there will be no wednesday night service jay so uh, we are going to 
take the week off and allow our time to, re, to recoup from all the holiday shopping and festivities. So uh, after tonight's uh, or this morning's service, we will not uh, join back until the, the following Sunday. We'll be back on our regular schedule for the new year, both Sunday school and uh, Sunday morning service and back to Wednesday schedule. And then our collective group will be kicking back up in full gear and Thursday night Bible study. And we're uh, rolling out some new ministries as well to, uh, that individuals will be able to participate in that we're excited about. So all that will be forthcoming. So uh, just keep your ears open for that. If you, it would help if you can go to our webpage. Uh, I don't really count that social media when you go to our webpage. And we have a church calendar there that you can click on and see all the stuff. We got all of our main events already scheduled out for uh, to, uh, 2024. So that's a good place to go. If, if you need help with that, uh, you can ask Mark, you can ask Richard. They can help you with that and direct you on how to access that. So you can get information through our webpage. So information there. Uh, I think that's it for the most part. I can't think of anything else to really discuss. Uh, we do have some guests back with us. Susie's back with us with Dwayne, and uh, she is nice. Don't hold that against her that she knows Dwayne. Uh, she's still a nice lady, and uh, so make sure you say hi to Susie. And then Nina's husband uh, Jason is with us today, so we're honored to have Jason with us as well. And so make sure you say hi to them, introduce yourself to them. And, uh, and Cam, if you haven't met Cam, uh, somebody worth getting to know, uh, he's rich, man. He saves all of his money. That guy's got more money than we, probably all of us. So if you need some money, you might be able to get a Christmas loan from him or something. Uh, so get hooked up with Cam if you need something. <laughs> but anyway, I'm just wasting our time this morning. Uh, we'll, uh, our message will be uh, fairly short. You know how that goes. Pastors say it'll be a short message. So, But anyway, we'll get that done, be able to get back to our families and our holiday season. So uh, we're glad you're here. If you're joining us online, we're humbled and honored to have you with us. Richard's always standing by. Let him know you're there. Let us know how we can be a blessing. A prayer tab in the bottom right-hand corner of your screen. Let us know if we can be praying for anything specifically that's private, secure. Nobody can see that. Uh, except for one source, but let us know how we can be a blessing. If you have any questions, reach out to us. We'd love to answer those, but thank you for joining us online. Uh, my sister, uh, keep her uh, doing better. We uh, got to see her yesterday, and family got to see her. Uh, she's about to take steps towards rehab, and which will be very beneficial for her. So just keep her in prayer uh, that she gets that strength back in her, uh, in her mainly her arm and her left leg and uh, that will strengthen them so uh, but overall doing well so thank you for the prayers the families much appreciative of them so uh, i do think that's it that's all i can think of so if i we could have our man come forward and we will pray over our service this morning Just kind of hold it right here, you, right, right there. You don't have to talk well. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for all those many blessings that you bless us with. Bless this whole entire church today and nothing bad happens. Thank you for blessing all these many people driving here safely. Nothing bad happened. Dear Heavenly Father, amen. Amen. Thank you, sir.
you'll stand with us, we're going to continue our time of worship. Yeah. 
about um, making room in my heart I love the Christmas story and you know we all know a lot of the famous verses that we use but if you look at the little things angels had to prevent that story from being robbed from us and then you look at who God revealed himself to he revealed himself to shepherds shepherds socioeconomic status was the low of the low you didn't want to hang out with shepherds. They were often considered unclean. But he decided, I'm going to go deep and low and tell everybody, you are acceptable. You can come to me. And I love, you know, he went to lepers. Lepers had to stay 50 steps from you. I, I was hearing that this week, and it reminded me that Jesus touched the lepers. You know, sometimes we... In our humanity, sometimes we will just not look at people the right way. I learned a long time ago, every person is somebody God loves. I got to find how to love them. I got to find how to care about them. And I can't help how they respond, but that's how I'm supposed to respond. So let's come to the altar and ask God to help us in 2024. Help our hurting world and help people who don't know us. I can see a star shine And its splendor fills up the sky 
Y'all don't mind, it feels like a sit-down morning, if you know what I mean. Or at least my back feels like it's a sit-down morning, how about that? <laughs> so thank you for your allowing me to do so. We're just family anyway, are we not? All right, Luke chapter 2. Uh, I'm not a our sermons go i'm not a big traditionalist but there's a there's a christmas message within this but a little different approach uh so uh it's not long but we're going to look at something here so let's pray and we'll get into this and uh, see what the lord has for us father thank you for this morning opportunity for us to get here safely we pray for those if there's anybody still out and about but just uh ask that your holy spirit just moves abundantly this morning prepare our hearts for your truth ask that you anoint every word that's spoken in Christ's name. Amen. So when we look at the birth of Jesus, we kind of talked about last night at the candlelight service that, you know, Christmas to us was by no way in comparison to what Christmas was to Mary and Joseph. Christmas to Mary and Joseph was radical. It was hard. 
very difficult. A lot of questions. It wasn't the the lights and the, and the pizzazz we have today. But this morning, when we look at the birth of Jesus, we can see when God chose to enter his own creation, it wasn't ideal. It, it wasn't the easiest way to go about doing it, so to speak. So this Christmas Eve morning, I want us to focus on the story of the wise men that we see here in Matthew chapter 2. And uh, we see some comparisons in here. So I titled this message, O Christmas 3. And you heard me right. It's not O Christmas Tree. It's O Christmas 3. And, uh, and you may be thinking that, well, what does that have to do with the wise man? And I think we got the, got the title wrong. No, the title is appropriate. And you'll see why. Because one, the number three is a uh, very powerful uh, uh, number it, it's in, in the Bible. It signifies completion, uh, unity. Uh, it, 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 uh, perfection. So the number three is very powerful to God in, when used in Scripture. Uh, we know God in three persons, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Trinity. Jesus' earthly ministry lasted for three years. Uh, Jesus' death, burial, his resurrection came after three days. So the number is personified throughout Scriptures, and it means a lot to God in his purpose and his design. So we're going to look at this passage today in Matthew chapter 2, and we're going to look at two series of three. They're very short, but we're going to look at two different groups of three and how they played out in Scripture for the wise men that encountered it, but how it applies to us today. So uh, let's do this. Uh, we've already prayed. God will help, but allow me. We're going to read Matthew. Uh, we're going to read 12 verses here. It's the story of the wise men. You're familiar with it. Uh, you should be able to read along with me. I'll read on the back screen here. So it starts in Matthew chapter 2. It says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men, magi, from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? So they've already labeled Jesus. They were well aware of who they were seeking after. For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. That's a key word, come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. So this isn't anything new. The wise man knew, many people knew, prophecy was now being spoke about coming about verse 6 and thou Bethlehem in the land of Judea art not the least among the princes of Judah for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel then Herod when he had privily called the wise men inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared and he sent uh, sent them to Bethlehem and said go and search diligently for the young child and when we have found him, bring word again that I may come and worship him also. Do you think Herod was interested in worshiping Jesus? No, we know that. Because he had already made an edict, a decree <laughs> to, be, to, to be killed. Um, and so when they heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the child, young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy 
And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they did what immediately? They fell down immediately and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, which are symbolic of the, of the gospel. Uh, very powerful truth in that. In verse 12, And being warned of God, through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit moved upon them in a dream that they should not return to Herod. They departed into their own country another way. So we know the story. We're familiar with the story. And there's a lot we can unpack within that. So what we're going to look at, first of all, we're going to look at the three responses that came about by way of the birth of Christ in the wise man journeying to, to go and see him and find him. Now, the thing about responses, we got to keep in mind, it, when we apply it to this story here and we look at it through scriptures, we are going to be isolated to one or three choices in our life when it comes to Jesus. And, and I, I would really, I think I could argue with you that we really can't come up with four or five or six. There's really going to be three responses in every person's life when it comes to Jesus and their encounter with Jesus in their life. It's either going to be hostile, i.e. Herod, King Herod. It's going to be indifferent, the scribes and Pharisees will see. Or it's going to be worship, as we saw through the wise man. You're really limited. As a human being, when we're encountered with the presence of the Holy Spirit and Jesus and God, and that triune Godhead interacts in our lives, we are going to be stuck, I say stuck, limited to one to three responses. And I think we can see all three in the world around us, can we not? We definitely see a hostile re response to the Word of God. How much our world, certain factions of our world, are wanting to eliminate uh, God. And, the, you know, they definitely want to eliminate the word Jesus. You know, there's a, lot of, a lot of people don't mind you throwing out the word God. You start talking about Jesus or the Holy Spirit, and people can become hostile towards that. And we have a lot of indifference within the world not a hatred not a hostility just a eh, yeah there's times maybe somewhere somehow someplace it applies and then of course we have the worship that we're called to so each of these responses though grow from one area they all originate from our heart the scriptures are are vivid about that look what it says in proverbs 4 23 you're familiar with this passage Keep thy heart with all what? This is the same word that Herod was directing the wise man to go find Jesus. Seek after him diligently. Interesting that Herod wanted them to be diligent in their heart and their efforts to find him for hostile reasons. Now, but the scriptures tell us that we should keep our heart with all diligence. Why? Right there, God tells us, because out of our heart, the issues of life so when it comes to our response to jesus as far as a hostile response an indifferent response or a worship response that comes directly from our heart what resonates in our heart that brings about that response because every response comes from the heart no no i'm just a spontaneous person todd i just kind of fly off the cuff no that that's a cover-up for what's resonating inside your spirit that's what comes out. When we open our mouth, whatever comes out 
I can assure you, scriptures tell us, it's already resonating in our heart. To pass it off, oh, that's not, that's just me. No, well, you're right, it is you. <laughs> that's what's in your heart. So we're going to be, uh, you know, have the issue with one of these three responses. And so this is scripturally accurate. Every issue is deduced, uh, you know, if you deduce it back to its cause root, if you say, I think that's the right word, it's almost always a heart issue. Almost always a heart issue. This is what, look at what it says in Jeremiah 17, 9 on the screen. The heart is what? Deceitful. Why do you think God's saying, hey, guard your heart? Oh, why do I have to guard my heart, God? Because your heart, my heart, man's heart, it's deceitful. Above what? Some things? All things. Well, I kind of take offense to that. I think I have a good heart. Well, look what the rest of the verse says. And desperately wicked. Then what's those last three words? Or four words, I can't count. Who can know it? Well, I, I think I have a good heart. Well, that right there, because you don't know your heart. The scripture's going to say a man doesn't even know the depths of his own heart. You heard it said, I can't believe so-and-so happened or so-and-so said or did. I would never have done that. Ooh, those are dangerous words. Maybe you just haven't been put in that situation yet to know what you may do. So God tells us our heart's deceitful. It's wicked above all things, so much so we don't even know the depths of our own heart of what we can do or might do. So we think, well, no, I'd never be hostile towards God, you know, I'll be a little bit humble. I guess maybe there's a time in my life I was a little indifferent for a little bit, but I'm in worship mode now. But we've got to understand, just because we say we may have hostility doesn't mean we're a King Herod. If we have obstinance towards the Word of God working in our life and we refuse to respond to the Word of God in our life, we avoid truth, we avoid transformation of the Holy Spirit, could you not make a, spiritually argue, a spiritual argument for a Christian that that's a hostile response? I think we can. When we intently refuse to allow the Holy Spirit to have his way in our life, I think an argument can be made that's a hostile response when we know the source of that transformation. So these three things, let's break this down real quick. So one, hostile to Jesus. This is the story of King Herod. He was obviously hostile to Jesus. With Jesus being called the king, the Messiah, the deliverer, the king of the Jews, this was a direct threat to Herod's throne. It was a direct threat to his own wishes, his own desires. He wanted to be worshipped. He wanted it to be about King Herod. And that's why he was hostile. It was a threat to him. In every way. Look what it says in 1 Peter 4, 6. For this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to man of the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. So here, where the, the gospel has obviously this, the, the sole source of giving us eternal life in heaven, but it causes us and calls us to a life that lives according to God in the Spirit. Herod wanted nothing to do with that. He was hostile towards that. This kind of deals with transformation I was talking about. Now, I just want to get saved. I don't want to be Christ-like. 
I just want Jesus to save me, and then I'll take care of the rest, Jesus. Well, that's not living according to God. That's not living in Christ's likeness that we're called to. And as believers, we can be hostile towards that. And when we hear messages and or songs or or you know talking to wise counsel or a spiritual leader, we're like, no, nah, I, I don't want anything to do with all that. I like my life the way it is. I don't want to change that. I want to be me. Well, Herod wanted to be Herod, and he didn't want Jesus around disrupting what he had. So Herod was hostile in spirit, as we can be today, because. What Herod had trouble with was something that clashed with his flesh. Herod liked what he had. He was threatened about what Jesus promised. Rest assured that Herod got word that the prophecy was being fulfilled, that a king was coming that would be king of kings and lord of lords. That was revealed. Herod was aware of that. So now he's been told, hey, remember those prophecies of old? It's here. It's happening. Here's like, I have, want nothing to do with that. Eliminate it. Go bring the child to me so I can worship him. That's how hostile he was towards Christ. Now, what's more prevalent is indifference. We also see in the story how indifference applied when it came to Christ. And what's interesting about indifference, because it deals with the scribes and, and, the, uh, and, the, and the priest. So when the wise men were commissioned to go, the priest and the scribes were well aware, but did the priest and scribes go with them? No, they didn't want to go. They had no interest in going. Why? Scriptures don't say. But if anybody knew the prophecies, if anybody knew the truth, it was the priest and the scribes, even more so than the wise men. But when the wise men went, why didn't the religious leaders want to go if they're the religious leaders wouldn't you think they would have been leading the convoy but the ones that supposedly knew the most about the coming messiah wanted nothing to do with him they stayed where it was comfortable it's interesting the people who were the most indifferent to jesus were the most religious people Look what it says in Matthew 23, 27. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited uh, uh, sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward. I can act like a real good Christian. I can look like a real good Christian. I can talk like a real good Christian. But are within, remember, guard your heart with all diligence, but are within full of dead man's bones and all of uncleanliness. These were the religious leaders. These are the ones that should have been shouting for joy. The Messiah is here. Our Savior is here. See, the issue is it's easy to use religion to keep Jesus at arm's length. Listen to what I'm saying. It's easy to use religion to keep Jesus at arm's length. And what I mean by that, we get caught up, ah, excuse me, we get caught up in practicing religion and obeying to show God what we're doing for him. And we're more interested about doing for God 
then allowing God to do what he wants to do through us. And so we play that religious game with God. I'm going to church, I'm serving, I'm doing, I'm, I'm checking off all these things, but yet we do not have that intimate relationship with Christ. What we're doing is we're performing our to-do list because as we do our to-do list, we can almost put, we, some folks believe, we put God in a position of debt to us that because we're doing these things, that then he has to respond and do these things for us. No, that goes against Scripture. What is it? First John four nineteen says, we love him for what reason? Yeah, because he first loved us. We don't do to show our love for him. We love him because he already loved us before we ever did a good thing. That's the image we have to take. God didn't say, show my worthy, your worthiness for me to love you. No, he loved us when we were unlovable. Because why? We will never be worthy of God's love. So God's loved us from creation. He's loved us from birth. He's loved us before we were even born. So we can't have an indifference towards God in the sense that we get caught up, you know, thinking we're doing something for God. And we get caught and stuck behind religiosity instead of a relationship with Christ. The wise man wanted to go and have an intimate encounter with Christ. The religious leaders had no interest in doing that. We're going to stay here and be religious. It was the wise man that sought after Christ. They wanted to encounter Christ. And the third response is the worship of Jesus. We see the wise man, as it said, came to worship. They were relentless in finding Jesus. Searched him out. Followed the star. They were willing to invest anything and everything they needed to do. They were committed to the end. Now, notice what it says. I pointed out reading the Scripture. The Bible says when they arrived at the home and saw baby Jesus, they didn't stand around and debate it, did they? Well, okay, we found the child. Let's hang around and see, and maybe find. Maybe he'll start doing some miracles here pretty soon, and we can kind of discern that really if this is the Christ or not. No, they didn't hang around. They didn't waste any time. The Scripture says when they got there and they saw the child, they fell face down and started worshiping him. There was nothing else to debate. They were in the presence of the living God. They were in the presence of the Messiah. They knew that. And they traveled great distance to get there. As soon as they got there, they fell into worship. The point is, when we come to believe in our life that Jesus is really who he says that he is, and he's not just a good teacher, and he's not just a genie in the bottle, and he's not our moral coach, that he is God in flesh, the Savior that took away the sins of the world, that we can have eternal life. When we come to that knowledge and understanding, how can we not be driven to humility and falling face first in worship? How could we justify anything other than that? How can we not be in that total surrender always in our life? When we wake up that our mind goes to our humility in Christ and his love for us and carry it with us throughout the day and meditate on it and share it with others. And when we put our head down at night that 
we give thanks for the day that we had. We should be in continual worship diligently as the wise men wore. So those are our three responses. We can be hostile. Not necessarily a King Herod hostile. I'm not saying we want to kill Jesus, but we can be hostile when we refuse to have Jesus interrupt our life. Maybe that's the best way to say it. A lot of Christians, or I say believers, believers have trouble and they struggle in their faith walk because when they start walking towards Jesus, Jesus starts disrupting their lives and they don't like that. They don't want to change their countenance. They don't want to change their heart. They don't want to change their mindset towards life. And so what they do, they, they still want to be involved, so they end up playing a religious game, and it ends up with hostility and indifference. And they, they, they chalk it all up to, I go to church, and I sing songs, and I raise my hand, and, and, and I'll just keep Jesus right there. If I need him more than that, I'll inquire of him a little more. But that's not what the scriptures call us to. They call us to be like the wise men, to seek after the Lord diligently and to fall on our face continually in worship. That's our choice. Hostile, indifferent, or worship. Then the other three I want to look at is the revelation of Jesus that the wise man encountered. Now, what's interesting, the word revelation is a Greek word, apocalypsis. And, and, and that word means, it means to reveal or to uncover or to unwrap. The book of Revelation reveals the end times. It unwraps the prophecy of the end time. So the word apocalypsis i.e. it means the unwrapping, the, the revealing of a gift. The book of Revelation, scripture-wise, is a gift. The Word of God is a gift. Christ was a gift. And what the Word of God does, it unwraps that gift and it reveals Jesus to us for our lives. So when you see the word revelation, understand that apocalypsis, it, it really means a, 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 a gift, a spiritual gift given to us to reveal revelation of who and what Christ is. So with that in mind, it's not just because it's today, Christmas Eve or tomorrow, but it needs to be every day of our lives. We need to have a single-minded focus for our life that God wants to open up continually. God wants to reveal himself to us every day, every moment. That's why it's so important to be in the Word of God. That's why it's so important to have your devotion time. Because every time we open this gift and we unwrap this gift, what it does, it reveals God's nature, His character of who He is for our lives so we can build and grow in our intimacy with Christ. So it's a spiritual gift. The problem is there's too many believers that only delve into it or come and get exposed to it a couple times a year, Christmas and Easter. If that's all you ever get of God in your life is two times a year for a 30 or 40-minute message, how are you going to find out anything about who and what Christ is for us? can't do it. It requires a revelation. 
So there's three revelation responses we see. There's one general revelation. We see that in Psalms 19, 1 through 6. General revelation is the way God reveals himself through nature or circumstances. It's a natural, uh, you can say it's like a natural transformation of God in our lives. It just happens, you know, just naturally around us. I.e., we know that through the star. When God offered and created the Bethlehem star for the wise man to follow, it gave a general revelation to who and what God is. Psalms 19, 1 through 6 says, The heavens, i.e. the star, the heavens declare the glory of God, the revelation of who and what God is, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day into day utter speech, and night to night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where the voice is not heard. The line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them has set the tabernacle for the sun, which is the bridegroom. The bridegroom, out of his chamber, and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. He is going forth in from the end of the heaven, and his circuit unto the ends of it, and there is nothing hid thereof. So when we look around us, when we see creation, when we see life, when we see salvations, the, these are general transformations, or, or I should say general revelations of which God presents himself and shows himself. Two, we see through the wise man their specific divine revelation. And I, that's God's word. God's word is specific and it's divine in nature. Scripture is a written form of God's special revelation for his children. It's in the both the Old and the New Testament. And it provides us with an enduring, permanent witness by which the Holy Spirit brings about the union of Christ and our salvation. All Scripture, we're told, in 2 Timothy 3, is breathed out. Look what it says in 16 and 17. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, revelation of God. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, correction, instruction, in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, mature, grow, transformation, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Any hopes of doing anything good and right is going to come by way of this. Well, no, I think, again, I'm, I'm, I'm a good-hearted person. I normally do good things and the right things. No, that wasn't natural. That's not natural. That's the working of God through you. That's the working of the Holy Spirit through you to do right. That the Word of God has inspired you. It has directed you and me. So we have general revelation. We have specific divine revelation that comes by words, the Word of God. And then, the third and last one, we have personal revelation. As the wise man did. It says in verse 12 that the Holy Spirit revealed himself to the Holy Spirit, or Holy Spirit revealed himself to the wise man and guided them and directed them not to go back to Herod. This is when God works in your life in a personal, specific way and guides you and directs you and transforms you in a way that changes your course of life. These, I call them aha moments or it moments when we get it. It's revealed to us, and we grasp it, and we take it into our spirit, and we follow it, 
and it reveals a personal revelation we have with God that we've never had before. God manifests himself greatly in such ways. Won't read it for time's sake. I'd encourage you to go read Psalms 19 in the whole because David illustrates his personal revelation of how God's, uh, you know, the, how our Lord is perfect in his life. Psalm 19 does a beautiful job of revealing that personal revelation through, through David that we can take to heart as well. So we got three aspects we see through the wise men. How they responded compared to Herod and the scribes and Pharisees or, uh, you know, religious leaders. And then we see three revelations that came about. We saw general revelation through the stars, through the firmament. And, and then we saw specific revelation through the Word of God. And then we saw personal revelation that God worked in the wise men's lives and spared them and sent them on who spared Christ, our Savior. And we see it work through all three. So when we see men struggle and how he relates to Jesus, either the hostile, indifferent, or worship, you know, worshipful, and we see the Lord's revelation through man, that it's either general, it's specific, or it's divine, personal. So let me close with this, and we'll get out of here. It comes from 2 Corinthians 5.21. Uh, I love this verse here. It just it is the gospel in in a verse. For he hath made him to be sin for us. That's the whole reason for the birth of Christ. That opening sentence right there sums up the purpose of Jesus stepping out of eternity past, stepping into time for that sentence right there. To be sin for us. Who knew no sin. That we might be made righteousness of God in him. That's a powerful verse. There's your gospel right there. There's the, gift, the, the Christmas promise. That's the gift of Romans 6, 23. Though the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It came in Christ, through Christ, for us. And we had nothing to do with it. So this Christmas and every day after, we must remember that the child who we celebrate, who laid in that manger a little bit over 2,000 years ago, lived a perfect life that we could not live. In all God and in all human, he lived a perfect life that we could not live. He died a death that we deserved, and he conquered sin by rising again that we cannot conquer all through one child through one man through one ministry so the same child that the wise man worshiped over 2,000 years ago is still the messiah and a wise man will still worship him today amen amen I hope that encourages here, and I hope we have a wonderful Christmas with, with family and safe travels if you're going to be on the road. I just encourage you if you can. Maybe you're going to be around family members or distant relatives that there may be an opportunity. If they are inquiring about why there's a reason of hope within you, maybe something you heard today 
uh, you know, the story of the wise men that everybody's familiar with this time of year can be a little, can be an icebreaker of how important that is in our life and make sure we're not hostile towards the one that came and died for us. And if we have, and we have accepted, though, Christ as our Savior, that we don't, we're not living indifferent, that we can encourage them that he's worthy and he's due. And as a wise man ourselves, we should be in worship continually because of who and what he is. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. Father, we thank you for this morning, Christmas Eve. And Lord, I know many are out with family and traveling. We just ask that you protect them on these roads keep them safe and lord as we do and celebrate this season that in all the merriment and enjoyment that we have through the uh, through family and food and gifts and uh, nothing wrong with those but you know within that we that we understand the foundation of all this is in christ the greatest gift we've ever been given lord i pray that each and every one of us have an opportunity just to share how important that gift is to us and how important it is to everyone. So guide us uh, through this day, empower us through your spirit, anoint us for your keenness work, and just uh, ask that you get us back safely. But we thank you for loving us. We thank you for uh, your eternal sacrifice so we can have eternal life. So as the music plays, as the Lord leads you, if anybody has anything they would like to pray about, if there's anyone here today, though I feel I know everybody, but if there's anyone here today that hearing the gift that was presented to us, and understanding that that gift is only becomes ours when we willfully and humbly accept it. Christ has done all the work that he can do. It's up to us to accept that gift. If you're here and you've never had the opportunity to here with clarity the details of that gift we got appropriately men or women that could take you in the side room and share with you the truth of that gift what a beautiful time of the year to accept the gift that was given to us the gift that we celebrate i encourage you don't leave here today if you don't know christ as your personal lord and savior it'll be the greatest gift you ever receive and accept Father, again, we thank you. We just uh, ask for safety over us these holidays and just pray we use this time to glorify your name. We thank you for the blessings. We thank you for the church you bless us with, your spirit that moves abundantly. And Lord, I pray that we don't disrupt that in any way through our flesh. Guide us through this season. We love you. We thank you. Ask that you forgive us where we fail you. And all of God's people said, amen. Merry Christmas.